Take your Bible this morning and turn with the Gospel of John. John, the 17th chapter. John, the 17th chapter. Someone wrote about the Gospel of John that uh, if John was a movie or a television show, uh, you know, most television shows and most movies have uh, music in the background, and uh, as it, as the as the climax of the intensity of the show uh, builds up, the music gets louder. Um, and uh, somebody wrote about this uh, about the Gospel of John uh, that if if this had a music background to it, at chapter 17, uh, the music would uh, be reaching a crescendo. Uh, John chapter 17 uh, is uh, recognized as probably, uh, arguably, uh, one of the, the greatest chapters, uh, certainly the greatest chapter in the Gospel of John, uh, but one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible. Uh, it is simply, uh, it, it is, uh, when you take this chapter, and uh, I can tell you that uh, as I have prepared, uh, I, I feel woefully inadequate to uh, address uh, the, the truths of this chapter. Uh, we, um, it is known as, uh, and depending on your Bible, you may have uh, a heading up over this chapter uh, called the High Priestly Prayer. Uh, it, is, uh, it is truly uh, the Lord's Prayer. And there are two other places in uh, Scripture where we have uh, what many people call uh, the Lord's Prayer. You, uh, you, you know uh, that one, lead us not into temptation, uh, that prayer. Uh, that is more ac accurately would be described as the model prayer. Uh, because certainly that is not the Lord's Prayer because uh, if nothing else it says in, um, says in that prayer, forgive us uh, for uh, our debts as we forget our, forgive our debtors. Uh, well, certainly Jesus never had any debts, any sins to ask uh, forgiveness for. Uh, and if you remember the, the preceding verse to that, it said, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, and so... Uh, it was an example for the disciples, for you and I, uh, how to pray. Uh, this is truly uh, the Lord's Prayer. We see numerous times in, in uh, the New Testament uh, where the Bible tells us that Jesus went off uh, and he went to pray. Uh, but nowhere else are we allowed uh, the privilege, uh, the opportunity to, uh, to, to know what was said, to be able to uh, to drop in and to overhear uh, the words of, uh, of Christ. And so uh, this prayer is, uh, is certainly, this chapter uh, is certainly a, um, uh, a thing of beauty. Uh, some have speculated that uh, this is really uh, was not uh, a prayer of Jesus, but something that the disciples, one of the disciples, uh, wrote later. Uh, when you read this chapter and you read these words, uh, you see the intimacy, you see the uh, relationship uh, of Jesus Christ, you see uh, the words that are used and you know that uh, there's no way a human, uh, no way one of his disciples wrote these words. These are uh, the memories uh, of, uh, of John 
led by the Holy Spirit to recall and write down for us uh, again this uh, tremendous, uh, tremendous prayer. Uh, some have uh, compared this chapter to uh, a mountain range, that it, uh, as you, and, and this is kind of the peak uh, of the mountain. It is, uh, again, words, uh, I, again, I just feel woefully uh, inadequate this morning to address, uh, to even comment uh, on um, such a uh, tremendous um, tremendous text. I, I hope you will uh, take time when we are done here and go back uh, into your homes and uh, spend time reading and, uh, and studying whatever resources you might have, whether the internet or books you may have uh, at home to, to dig into uh, the, the, the simply uh, the magnificence of, uh, of this passage. And uh, one of the fears I have in, uh, in, in attempting to speak on this passage this morning uh, is that I'm going to uh, somehow uh, manage to sell short uh, or undermine uh, the greatness of, uh, of this passage. Uh, and uh, after giving it such a build-up, I don't want to, um, to, to undermine and, and, and uh, change your uh, opinion uh, of uh, this, uh, this passage. Again, uh, as we uh, look at this, uh, you can imagine uh, as you try to think about, again, just the sheer uh, grandeur of this chapter. Again, uh, we are still eavesdropping, if you will, uh, on the eternal. Uh, and, and that's literally, uh, that, that uh, is what this amounts to. We have the privilege this morning uh, of eavesdropping on the eternal. Uh, Jesus is now uh, hours uh, from, uh, from his crucifixion. Uh, he is walking uh, with his disciples uh, still on the way to Gethsemane. And along the way, uh, the Bible tells us that, uh, that uh, don't know whether he stopped or continued to walk, but he, uh, he, he lifted up his eyes again, uh, beginning to feel the, uh, the weight, the agony of the moment uh, of, the, of the impending uh, arrest and, and trial and crucifixion and, uh, and, and knowing that he was about to uh, turn over uh, the, the future of the church uh, the New Testament church to these disciples um, and begins to talk one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, with his father. Uh, and we have the, uh, the privilege, uh, the honor to be able to pull back the curtain here and just peek behind uh, and, and to, to hear uh, those words. Um, and so there are countless, I think, lessons that we draw uh, from this chapter. One of them, uh, again, we have in other places the model prayer. Uh, but this, again, is the Lord's Prayer. And we, I think we learn uh, a great deal about prayer by uh, not just the model prayer in other places, uh, in other locations in the Gospels, but here the Lord's, uh, the actual Lord's Prayer, uh, how He prayed, what He prayed for, uh, 
what concerned him uh, in this moment uh, is, uh, again, it's almost um, overwhelming. I, I had, uh, again, I, I worked on, uh, been working on this for a while now, and uh, yesterday, Friday night, I, I began to feel uh, just moved and went back yesterday and completely uh, reworked the whole, uh, the whole thing and, and redid it because, again, just the sheer, um, the, 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 the awe uh, that I personally have uh, for this chapter. Uh, I, I want to be cautious and careful uh, to do it justice as we uh, walk through uh, this 17th uh, chapter here in this great uh, prayer. In this prayer, we're going to see uh, three things Jesus prays for. Uh, Jesus begins uh, in the first five verses we're going to look at. Uh, he begins by praying for himself. Um, but you will notice as we go into it uh, that even as he prays for himself, uh, it's not very much of a selfish prayer. Uh, even his prayer for himself uh, actually is for us. Uh, he is praying for himself uh, so that you and I uh, will benefit. Uh, it, it would be something like uh, it's similar to saying, um, you know, say your your child was in some type of danger, and you prayed, Lord, give me strength so that I can uh, rescue my child. You, you're praying for yourself, but uh, the ultimate purpose is not really just so you will have strength, but so that you could help your child. That's what we have in these five verses. Even though uh, Jesus is praying for himself, uh, he ultimately uh, means it for uh, our good. He follows that by praying uh, for his disciples. Uh, and in the third section, uh, and perhaps what makes this psalm so, or this, uh, this chapter so, uh, so wonderful is he looks into the future and uh, you'll see as we move through this chapter, uh, he prayed uh, for you and I. Uh, that's uh, how he concludes this prayer. And uh, I know here we are in the middle of November and uh, I prayed and thought seriously about preaching something uh, along a Thanksgiving theme uh, in, in this time. But the more I prayed about it, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, man, there's nothing to be more thankful for uh, than what Jesus prays uh, in this prayer. Uh, as he prays for, uh, as he looks through time, uh, as he looks down through, through the corridors of time uh, and saw you and I uh, and prayed for, uh, for our safety and for our well-being, our development, uh, our spiritual uh, well-being, uh, it, it is... Uh, I can't think of a better text, honestly, uh, in the Thanksgiving season as we uh, consider that. And so uh, look with me, if you will, and uh, I, I would appreciate it as you sit there, if you want to, under your breath, mumble a prayer. Uh, because, again, I do feel... Uh, extremely uh, inadequate. If you can uh, begin this morning to kind of uh, comprehend my assignment, uh, it is to comment on the words, uh, the prayer uh, of Jesus Christ, uh, to try to explain Jesus. And so uh, you can imagine the magnitude uh, of, uh, of that task. And I know uh, some of you are probably saying, well, if you're preaching the Bible, you're always preaching on the Word of God. Uh, well, that's true. But these are the specific 
uh, words, the prayer of Jesus Christ that, uh, that I am assigned the uh, duty of commenting on this morning. And so uh, as we look in this uh, great passage, we're going to begin uh, looking at this section where, uh, again, he prays uh, for himself. And there's several things uh, that uh, this prayer uh, reveals to us that I think uh, are very uh, important. First of all, uh, as we look at this, and it was something that uh, the disciples themselves were uh, slowly beginning to, to wrap their mind around and slowly beginning uh, to comprehend themselves, uh, and that is the relationship uh, between the Son and the Father. Uh, over and over again, Jesus, if you remember, uh, has told them throughout the Gospels, uh, He has told His disciples, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. Uh, I'm here to do the will of the Father. He, he, he repeatedly, uh, continually addresses His Father uh, and speaks about uh, His Father. And so here in the first verse, we see uh, this relationship displayed as He goes uh, and He lifts His eyes, it says, uh, to the heavens, lifts up uh, his eyes uh, and speaks to the Father. And as I think about that, I, I think there's several things that we understand from that uh, simple statement about uh, the relationship that the Son uh, had with the Father that is demonstrated uh, to us uh, in this time. Again, this prayer uh, is extremely um, intimate as you read it. Uh, again, understanding the time and the context. We are hours from the arrest, hours from the crucifixion. Uh, Jesus is aware uh, of what faces him, and this is uh, one of his uh, final earthly conversations with the Father. Uh, and so he is uh, pouring out his heart to his, uh, to his Father, uh, and he lifts up his eyes. Uh, and so that tells me, first of all, uh, that as he's going along again, Walking down the road to Gethsemane, uh, where he is going to be uh, betrayed by uh, by one of his disciples, where he is going to shortly uh, be denied by uh, another one of his disciples, where he's going to be put through a a, a mock. Uh, trial uh, where he is going to be herded up and drug out of town, beaten and arrested, uh, beaten and crucified, uh, that the one thing uh, that was on the mind of Jesus Christ was his Father. The one thing that was uh, on his mind was his relationship uh, with his Father. Uh, and so as we look at that, uh, the first thing I, I want to point out to you is his reflection uh, on God. Uh, let, let's be brutally honest this morning. If it was you and I, uh, I know me, uh, if I was walking down the road and I knew that I was walking in uh, basically to a trap, if I knew I was walking in uh, to, a, uh, to an arrest, if I knew knew I was walking into uh, a, uh, a crucifixion, first of all, I would have been walking the other way. Uh, second of all, I'm pretty sure all my thoughts would have been on me. Uh, I, I would have been thinking very selfish thoughts. I would have been thinking uh, some very uh, personal thoughts. Uh, but here we see that even in this moment, uh, Jesus has his mind, he has his focus uh, on uh, continuing uh, to do, as he said over and over, the will of his Father. Uh, just one last time on this road to Gethsemane, uh, he lifts up his eyes and says, Father, uh, let's talk. 
Father, let's have uh, a conversation. Father, uh, you, you know what's going on. And, and I just want you to know uh, that I'm still in it. I want you to know that I'm still uh, up for the task. I still am here to do what you sent me to do. His mind was on the will of the Father. I challenge you this morning as you think about Jesus and that predicament to analyze and to consider your own prayer life. Uh, just how selfish sometimes uh, our prayer life can be. Sometimes how selfish we can be, uh, spiritually speaking. But Jesus, even staring at a cross, had His mind on the will of the Father. Do we focus in our prayer life in that manner? Uh, are we more concerned about uh, what we want and how we want it and when we want it and where we want it? Are we more concerned about our will and our desires? Or are we like Jesus, even in the shadow of the cross, lifting up His eyes to the Father? That's a challenging thought about our prayer life. Jesus says, first of all, we see as He lifts up His eyes, I think that is a reflection for us uh, on God. How does it show His reflection on God? But I think it shows His respect for God. That He lifts up His eyes uh, to God. Uh, here He is, the, uh, the second part of the Trinity. Here He is, the very Son of God Himself. And yet, He lifts up His eyes to the Father. He understands uh, who, is, uh, who is in control here. He looks up to God uh, and, uh, and looks up to Him uh, for continued guidance, for continued uh, direction. In, in a few moments, He's going to pray again. And, and one of the other only opportunities we have uh, to drop in on a prayer of Jesus, He's going to say what? Not my will, but thine be done. He's going uh, to go ahead and, and so we see uh, that in this prayer, uh, this simple action, Jesus shows not only His reflection on God, uh, but His respect for God. That God, I'm, I'm here to, I'm going to continue to do what You sent me to do. Yeah, it, it was one thing for Jesus back all three years ago to say, I'm here to do the will of the Father. It was one thing for Him to say, Two years ago, I'm here to do the will of the Father. About a year ago, it started getting a little tougher. About six months ago, it started getting real rough. And about a week or so ago, it got serious. And now, here in the last 24 to 48 hours of his life, we're down to the, where the rubber hits the road. And you know what he says? Lord, I'll do what you tell me to do. Whatever you desire, Father, whatever it is you want, whatever, wherever you lead. You know, it tickles me sometimes. I hear us, we sing that song sometimes. Wherever He leads, I'll go. I don't know, but I'm thinking that there ought to be a little sub-note under there. Wherever He leads that I want to go to start with, I'll go. Yeah. Wherever He leads that I already wanted to go. He has no problem leading me to go get a, a milkshake. Yeah. Oh, yes, sir, Lord, I'm on the way. Yeah. Uh, we, we're more than willing to go and, and do the things that are pleasurable. We're more than willing to go and, and, and to do the things we wanted to do to begin with. But Jesus says, Lord, I, I respect you, Father. I respect your will. I respect your leadership, even to the cross. 
We see his reflection on the Father. We see his respect for the Father. And we see, I think finally, and it, it goes without saying almost in that statement, his resting on the Father. He, he simply says again, Lord, Father, wherever you lead, I'll go. Yeah, I, I, I'll go and do what it is you sent me to do. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you and follow you in, in whatever it is you desire. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's what he says. Nevertheless, not your will. And so when he lifts up his eyes, we see this relationship of the Son with the Father where we see his uh, reflection on the Father, his respect for the Father, but simply put his resting on the Father. Lord, I'm going to go where you tell me to go. I wonder this morning again, is that a characteristic of our prayer life? That we, we are willing to, to rest in the Lord. That wherever He leads, we'll go. That we're going to trust Him. Even when we don't see the end of the road. Even when we can't see what's up ahead. Even when we don't know where He's leading us to. We'll say, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to follow You. I'm willing to trust You. I'm willing to, to be obedient no matter the cost. No matter where it is you're sending me, I'm willing to trust you. I'm going to rest in you. I know that you have my best at heart. I know that you have my, my best in your plans. I, I don't understand it. Sometimes your best may even be painful for a while. But Lord, I'm going to follow you. Lord, I'm going to go where you tell me to go. I'm going to be obedient no matter what anybody around me thinks. And I'm going to tell you something. If you decide to be obedient to Jesus Christ, if you decide to be obedient to the Father, you're going to have some of your closest friends and family who don't understand, who disagree, who bring about, who, who come against you in that. But Jesus says here, he says, Lord, I'm going to rest in you and I'm going to follow you no matter what you, where you lead me. I'm, I'm going where you say to go. And then not only the relationship, but let's take a moment and, and actually look at the request. It, it's amazing. Jesus really only asked for two things. Yeah, I, I want you to think for a moment if you're in Jesus' sandals and you're walking down the road and you're facing crucifixion. You've got a group of disciples who are your closest associates. One of them even now is out selling you for 30 pieces of silver. One of them doesn't, well he does know it, he just doesn't believe it. He's been told, you're going to deny me three times. You know, all of them are about to scatter like cockroaches when the light comes on. You know, this is what he's got for companions, for associates. And he's staring down the barrel of a, of a legion of Roman soldiers who are about to arrest him and about to uh, take him prisoner and, and put on a, a, a monkey trial and, and charge him with something, uh, made up charges, convict him on non-existent evidence, and crucify him. And Jesus can only think of two things to pray for. How many of you think, you know, I believe I could have come up with more? 
I believe I could have thought of a few more things. To, matter of fact, no, I might probably could have come up with, I don't know if I could have come up with, I probably could have only come up with one more. Help! Get me out of this. Jesus comes up with two things he prays for here in this section. As he prays for himself, look what he says. He says, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you've given him authority, power over all flesh to give eternal life to him, all who you've given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus prays for two things. I'm going to take long. Two things. First, Jesus prays that the Son would be revealed. He prays to reveal the Son. Lord, glorify me. Now, I want you to consider something for a moment. When Jesus says glorify the Son in that verse, now, if you wanted to give glory to someone, how would you do that? Put their name up in lights? Praise them. How would you glorify someone? You'd, 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 you know, you'd brag on them. You'd put their name up in lights. You'd tell Do you know when Jesus says glorify the Son, do you know how he was going to be glorified? What was going to glorify the Son was that he was about to be lifted up on a cross. That's how he was going to be glorified. Jesus says take the, the most excruciating, worst way man has devised of taking someone's life and put it on me so that I can be revealed. So that others will see me. So that they will know who I am. Glorify the Son. But look what he says. Again, I told you that, that even though he's praying for himself, it's not a selfish prayer. He says, glorify the Son. Why? So that I can glorify you. He says, I want, well, Father, you lift me up so that I can point more people towards you. Think about that for a moment. The, 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 the magnitude, again, I told you, this, this is an amazing prayer. These are, especially considering the timing and the context, that Jesus says, Lord, lift me up, but I want you to lift me up, not so that I can be seen, but lift me up so I can point more people towards you. I'm the one going to be crucified. I'm the one going to be ridiculed. I'm the one going to be beaten. I'm the one going to be spat on. I'm the one that's going to die. But I want to do that so that more people will see you. Amen. Listen, think about that for a moment. Is that the desire of our life? Lord, I want to live a life. I want to live in such a way that our life points more people towards you. That was Jesus' prayer in that moment. Of all the things He could have prayed for, deliverance, strength, courage. I mean, there's a laundry list of, uh, of things that He could have prayed for at this point. But the first thing He asked for is, Lord, what I want is that ultimately You be glorified. That ultimately, all these things that they point to you, I want you, I, I want to, uh, to people to, to see me, but not so that they will see me, but I want to be able to point them to you. I, I, I want to honor you. I've said all along, I've come to do the will of the Father. I've said all along, I want to serve the Father. 
Listen, if Jesus on the way to on the way to Calvary, if Jesus on the way to his arrest, if Jesus in this point could pray, I want the Father to be glorified. I want to ask you a, a real piercing question, I hope. Are the things you pray for, when you pray, if you pray, do you pray for those things? Do you ask God for things that will ultimately bring Him honor or bring you rest, success, strength, courage, whatever? Is your ultimate goal in your prayer life that the Father be honored? I would challenge myself and my pastor friends. Some of them I know uh, will tune in and we, in, in Corona, we do that to each other. We watch each other preach to see, you know, to, to see what they're doing, see if we can learn anything. I would challenge each one of us as we pray about our preaching, as we pray about, uh, you know, it's one thing to say, Lord, give me a, a, a sermon. God, help me to preach. Blah, 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 all the things you can pray for about a sermon. But do we pray, God, I, I want to be able to preach your gospel. I want to be able to preach in such a way, not that people see me, but that, in, in, Lord, that whatever I say, whatever I do, whatever I preach, it ultimately points to the Father. As you teach a class, as you go about your work life, as you go, do the things you, when you pray, do you pray for those things because, uh, and, and listen, that's a hard pill to swallow, but do you pray for them out of selfishness, out of desire, or out of a plan, out of a desire that the Father be glorified? That's what Jesus was praying. Father, glorify the Son, but you glorify the Son. So that, uh, that, that, that the Father will be glorified. And he explains it here. Well, how is the Son glorified? How is the Father glorified? Look what he says. He goes on in verse 3, and he talks about it. He talks about eternal life. How is the Father glorified? How is the Son glorified? One way, when people come to know Jesus Christ. When people get saved. For God doesn't want the glory of the church building big buildings. He doesn't want the glory of the church taking up offerings of, uh, of preachers preaching, of singers singing. God gets glory one way. When people accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so the challenge for you and I is are we praying, are we living in such a way that the Father would be glorified? Well, how is the Father glorified? Are we living in such a way that people come to know Jesus Christ? Because that's how the Father is glorified. The Father isn't glorified because you've got a bank, bank account full of money. He already owns it all. The Father, Father, Father wouldn't be glorified if, if we had to drag out chairs and fill up this building with, with people. Now that's not, God could care less about that. That doesn't, that doesn't impress Him much. If they'd let them, if the governor would be quiet, the Panthers could draw a crowd of people. Drawing a crowd of people doesn't impress God. God would rather see three get together and two of them come to know His Son than to see a thousand gather and they walk away unchanged. So the life we're living or the prayers we're praying 
praying that the Father would be glorified. There's only one way that the Father is glorified. And that is through people coming to know Jesus Christ. To reveal the Son and to restore the Son. The second thing Jesus asked for. Look in the next verse. He says, I've glorified you on earth. I've accomplished the work. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had before the world existed. The second thing Jesus prays for. Jesus prays, Lord, restore me to the glory that I had before I came here. Restore me to the glory I had before I came here. Have you ever thought about this for a moment? Jesus from eternity's past, God the Son, had existed, always has existed, the Eternal One has always existed, always existed in the presence of His Father, in glory in heaven, in the glory of the Son. And He set all that aside to come here. You talk about slumming it. Man, that's slumming it. That's, that's, going, that's going to the bad side of town when you leave glory to come here. That's going to the rough side of town when you leave the presence of God to come here. And Jesus in this prayer says, Lord, I've done all the work. I've finished. The hour is here. I'm about to go to the cross. I'm about to finish what you've sent me here to do. I've done my work. And now, Father, I want you to restore me to my glory. I want you to put me back at your right hand. Listen, why was that so important to us? Why is that so important to Jesus? What does it say he goes to the right hand of the Father to do? To make intercession. To make intercession. Jesus says, Father, restore me to my glory. Even when he says, restore me to my glory, it's not for his benefit, but for mine. He says, Father, I want to come sit down at your right hand so when Tommy doesn't know what to pray for, I'll pray for him. So when Debbie's confused and doesn't know what to say, I'll take over. Father, I want to come and sit down. I want to be restored, not for my own benefit, not for, for my own, uh, not for my help, not because I get anything from it, because when I sit down at the right hand of the Father, that means the work is finished, salvation is done, and now I can make intercession for my people. Uh, you talk about a pretty prayer. You talk about a pretty prayer. Oh, what a privilege it is to be able to pull back the curtain and eavesdrop when the Eternal has a conversation. Father, let me be restored to my glory. Because CD needs me more at your right hand than he needs me here on earth. See, when he was here on earth, if Jesus would have stayed on earth, I mentioned this the other day, if Jesus would have stayed here, most likely he would have set up an office in Jerusalem. I don't know, that's my thought anyway. He would have probably set up a God office in Jerusalem. I expect there would have been a line around the block to get in for a meeting. You'd have probably had to, it, it'd probably been like, you know, call ahead and try to get an appointment to have a conversation with Jesus if he had set up an office 
But when he says, restore me to my glory, and at his crucifixion, that veil was torn from top to bottom. You know what? I can ride down the road and say, hey, Lord, let's talk. And he's always there. See, even when he was restored to his glory, it was for my benefit. It was for my benefit. You see the relationship. You see the request. But let's get down to where it matters. What is our response? What, are we, what, what is expected of us? What, what does Jesus want to see happen as a result of him being revealed and restored? Look what he tells us. Two things. Back up in verse 3. Jesus says this. This is eternal life. That they know you the only true God. That they know you the only true God. This is the desire of Jesus Christ. When Jesus prayed this prayer, didn't pray to, be, to escape the cross, didn't pray for strength to endure the cross, didn't pray for lightning to come down and strike the Jews, didn't pray for the earth to open up and swallow Pilate, but he prayed that you and I would know the one true God. The one true God. The word true that is used there, the, the Greek word doesn't mean true as in right versus wrong. It means true versus false. The one true God versus all other false gods. His final prayer was not to avoid the cross. His final prayer was not for strength. His final prayer was not for any of those things that anybody in their right mind would have prayed for. It was that you and I would know the one true God. See, I realize today, I know that if you go online, you search God, you'll get a bazillion answers. And I also know bazillion is not a real number. You'll get a bazillion responses to that. But can I tell you something? Only one of that bazillion is the true God. Only one of that bazillion sent his son to die for you. Only one of that bazillion cares enough to save you. All you read, you go find all those other gods and you'll find they want you to do something for them. They want you to fly a building into a plane. They want you to give. They want you to do. They want you to be. They want you to work. They want No, our God, the one true God, sent his son to finish the work. And pay for your salvation. The one true God. Jesus says, I want the, the, the one thing I want, I want to be glorified so that the Father will be acknowledged. So that man will see, so that man will know there is only one way of salvation. That there is only one true God. Listen, there are some of you who may be listening online and say, what difference does it make as long as you believe something? Well, let me just give you one little example that I hope will shatter that for you. When you go down to the airport, does it matter which plane you get on? They're all good planes. As long as you get on that plane, you want to go to Los Angeles. Does it matter which plane you get on? Or is it enough just to believe 
that all planes go to Los Angeles. No. You buy a specific ticket and you get on a specific plane because that's the plane going. You get on the wrong plane, you might end up in Kalamazoo. It does matter. It does matter. If you want to go somewhere in your car, does it matter which roads you take? Sure it does. And if you want to go to heaven, it matters which God you acknowledge. It matters which God you follow. Jesus says, I want to be glorified. I want to be restored. I want to be revealed because I want man to know there is one true God. But not just one true God. Not only acknowledgement, but acceptance. Look what he says. The end of verse 3. So that they'll know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Why does Jesus pray to be glorified? So that man will not only know the Father, but he knows, how do we know the Father? How do we gain access to the Father? There is only one way of salvation. There is only one name whereby man must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus Christ. Any other way is a false way. Any other way is a false way. I want to be glorified, Father. I'm going to continue to walk down this road. I'm going to continue to do the work that you have sent me, knowing that in just a few moments, one of my twelve is going to lead a legion of Roman soldiers to arrest me. Knowing that they're going to carry me in and they're going to accuse me of things I didn't do. And they're going to find me guilty in a make-believe trial. And they're going to take me out and they're going to march me through town and they're going to beat me beyond recognition. They're going to beat me to the point, the Bible says, where he was beyond recognition as a human. And they're going to carry me out on a hillside. And they're going to laugh and they're going to mock and they're going to gamble for my clothes and they're going to drive nails in my hands and in my feet and they're going to hang me on that cross in front of my own mama. And they're going to take a spear and they're going to pierce my side till I die. And they're going to put me down and they're not even going to have the decency to give me a decent burial. I'm going to have to be buried in a barred tomb. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to continue to follow. Because I want you to be glorified. And I want men and women, boys and girls, to know you. I don't want them to go to hell. I don't want them to be separated from you. I want them to have eternal life. I want them to have an eternity with you. He did that for you. That's what he prayed in his last hours. That was what he desired in his last conversations. One of his last conversations with the Father. Not for strength. Not for deliverance. 
but you were on his mind. You were on his mind. This morning, as our musicians come, here's the question. Christians, have you ever really grasped? Have you ever really allowed a moment for it to soak in just how much he loves you? That in those last hours, he didn't pray for deliverance. He didn't pray for strength. Ultimately, he prayed for you. He loves you that much. I want to invite you this morning to come and to kneel near where you are and say, Lord, I want to thank you. I'm overwhelmed this morning by your love, by who you are, maybe in your home, wherever you are this morning, kneel in your living room, wherever you're at. Lord, I want to thank you for loving me that much. But more importantly today, you don't know Jesus Christ personally. His desire in his last hours on this earth was that you would know that God was the one true God and that he was the only way to the Father. Whether you're in this room, whether you're online, let me encourage you to bow and to Simply say, Lord, I want to accept your son. I want forgiveness for my sins. I need to be saved. You may be here this morning, and you've been in church, you've lived in church, you grew up in church, but the reality is this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ personally. Young or old, in the building or online. If you're online, please email me, call me. Put a comment. Whatever it takes. Find a church near you and reach out to their staff to tell them you want to know more about serving Jesus Christ. You're in this room. Don't leave here. Jesus was willing to go to the cross so that you could know the Father. Don't reject so great a salvation. Father, we thank you today for your word. God, I thank you for allowing us to gather here this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that you'll take your word today. God, that you'll speak to our hearts. God, that you will stir us. God, that you will challenge us. God, that Christians in this room, God, they'd be moved. God, they'd be reminded of your great love, of your son's great sacrifice, that his only prayer headed to the cross ultimately was for our good. And I pray that you'll break Christians' hearts. Remind us of your love. God, but for the one here today, the one online that doesn't know Jesus, God, I pray, Lord, that you'd stir their heart. God, that right now, they'd pray a simple prayer. Father, I'm a sinner. Father, I need forgiveness. And I want you to come into my heart and life. I want you to rule and to reign in my life. I want to accept you. I want to live for you. God, that they'd pray that prayer. God, that today they can be saved. God, have your will here today. We'll give the honor for it all. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we stand together.
Oh, we. Yeah. 